0: Jen, owner of Jen Davis Design. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. We're so excited to welcome you to Better, a brand designer podcast. We have open and honest discussions about what it's really like to run a design business. Diving into the stuff you just don't see on Instagram. We're all about giving you actionable advice and fostering a supportive community of the co-workers you're missing. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday.
1: Welcome back to Better the Brand Designer Podcast. Uh, Giselle and I are here so excited to chat with you guys today. We have a really great, juicy episode coming on up, so we're we're super pumped. Um, But you guys know we always start out with our intro questions. So, um, Giselle, what design app, besides the obvious Adobe, could you not live without?
0: Yeah, this is a really hard one because I was about to say something and then realized, oh, it's also a desi- an Adobe app. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, which is Adobe Spark. But, oh, wait. Adobe app. What? Yeah. Tell me about that. It's basically like Canva. Um, what? Actually, that's not the one I wanted to talk about, but that one's also really good. It's called, let me pull it up on my phone Adobe Capture. It's literally an app on your phone. It's uh it's Adobe, so I, I'm not answering the question right now, but I do have to share it because whenever I create sketches on my notebook, I use Adobe Capture. You can create, you can um capture color palettes, you can create patterns, and you can digitize sketches, and they uh, can upload to your creative cloud library and then you just plug them into illustrator or photoshop
1: okay my jaw has literally hit my desk you guys can't see video (laughs) but that sounds amazing because i do a lot of sketch transferring into illustrator i always usually start out in my um my sketchbook and i just i I use the live trace tool but if i can do it in an app then that would save me a few steps for sure that's awesome
0: yeah you should play with it but um the one that's non-adobe Um, I would have to say it's Divi. It's not really an app. Um, It's more like a software, I guess. Um, And it's for WordPress. It basically just changed the game for me because I used to just custom code and like edit previous themes that I would buy online. Um, And this with Divi, I can just create my own themes and create my own website so that I completely custom without doing a lot of code. Wow. Yeah, it's been really awesome. So it's like a builder
1: for WordPress? Right, exactly. It's a builder. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. I've never heard of that before. Oh, learning new things. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome.
0: What about you? What's your favorite design app that is not Adobe?
1: My favorite design app that's not Adobe is definitely Sketch. And I know that's, I feel like I give really boring answers to these intro questions. Because no, I, you don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I've been using Sketch for oh, three years now, and I usually use it for social, um, but I just started using it for um, website mockups. And what I love about Sketch is that it was built for doing app, web, digital um, mock-ups. Um, and my favorite feature right now is actually the uh, the text styles feature. So I can basically define my H1 through H6 and body text, and then I can use those different text styles and kind of apply them to the different um, sections of my my website mock-up, which is game-changing for anyone who's ever tried to do a website mock-up in Illustrator, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I've, I've been doing is website mock-ups on Illustrator, yeah. and I feel like I must have been asleep, but I didn't know about Sketch until a few months ago, and I started using it, Um and yeah, like, I'm still at the phase where I'm like, I don't know about this. I'm yeah, <laughs> it definitely has a learning curve, just like any other
1: program, yeah. and I'm a little slower in it than I'd like to be, but it's just... I've been using Illustrator for so long. It's like I kind of made the joke of the other day where I could do it in my sleep, Illustrator, yeah.
0: You know? <laughs> and that's that's my biggest frustration is that I'm not as fast in it as I am in Illustrator. Yes. So I'm like, this is a waste of time. I know, But yeah. I see so much value in Sketch. I really just gotta suck it up and start learning it better because I'm seeing it a lot more, which is why I'm saying like, I must've been asleep because it's suddenly <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah,
1: Sketch is really exploding and um, it's... It's really great. I have like, I'm just looking at my doc on my Mac right now, Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, Sketch right next to each other. Those are my big four. Yeah. Awesome. Yay. Okay. Well, then shall
0: we get started with our conversation yes. about good clients and avoiding red flag clients?
1: Yes. Okay. So one of the biggest things that kind of, we kind of saw pop up in the Facebook group and then in the questions that you guys asked us um, was a lot of, a lot of you guys have issues with just really negative client experiences. And we thought that maybe doing an episode around being able to identify some of those factors that are going to make a client a good client and would have a positive experience with them or factors that you might be able to identify before you sign a contract with someone that are going to kind of show you a Maybe I should take a step back and see if this client is really going to um, be a good one for me. Um, and so we're calling them good clients and red flag clients because Something that one client does might be bad for you, but it might be good for someone else. So, like, take all of this with a grain of salt, as always, and start kind of curating your own list of what your red flag moments are, because they might be different for everyone. Everyone's at a different stage of business. So, um, something that we identify as a red flag may not be a red flag to you. And there may be other things that you're like, okay, this is like a dead no. Like, I can't book someone who does this. So, yeah. Um, so we're going to start talking about good clients. So this is all happening in the context of a lead. So these are clients that have not booked with you yet. These are people who are interested in your services. Maybe you've reached out to them. Um, maybe they're a lurker on your Instagram and they've been interacting with you a lot. Maybe you have a little you know digital friendship with them. Um, so these are all things that are going to happen before you start onboarding them. Um, what I found is that good potential clients are prompt responders. I think response time is a really, really big clue that you can use to determine whether or not someone is serious about your project. And then also um, if they're like, genuinely interested in talking to you, do you feel like you're always having to like hunt them down? Or is this this something where, you know, within reason they'll respond maybe within 24 hours? Like that's great. You know, people who take a week to respond, it's like maybe they're not at the place um, in their business where they're ready to invest. Or maybe, you know, they are really on the fence about you or, you know, you want to have someone who is, you know, they have questions, but they are genuinely interested in moving forward with a project.
0: I also like that you share this because it also, um, based off of my experience, it shows how invested they are in you as opposed to seeing you as a commodity and kind of like looking around for a bunch of different proposals and prices and like shopping around. Like they're actually interested in you and they show it through how they communicate and behave with you too. Yes.
1: Exactly. So, the next thing that I consider to be like a good positive sign with a lead is that they are receptive to pricing and they might negotiate, but they're fair about it. Um, Negotiating is actually a good thing. Giselle, do
0: you want to speak to that a little bit? Sure. Um, Some people might like, and and I'm saying this because this used to happen to me, would feel kind of like not maybe insulted, but kind of hurt or something because they didn't like the price that you sent them. When it's already scary enough sending them the proposal, right? Yes. Oh goodness. <laughs> um, but it's actually a really good thing because that means that they want to work with you. And um, you just have to meet them halfway and you also have to decide, like, oh, like at what price am I still happy doing this project with this client? And um, and then deciding to do that. If you sent them a proposal and you do not want to go any lower than that, then maybe you can negotiate some other way like okay can we start a month from now or a month from the whatever project projected start date or can we extend the deadline so that it's a slower project for you so that you can fit into your schedule and that would accommodate for the pricing like you don't even have to take out deliverables you don't have to lower the price um, but yeah that's another great way for the client to show that they are interested in you although it's not ideal ideally you know they would just accept the price and that's it yeah
1: but you know we don't always operate in a perfect world so You're right yeah <laughs> The next thing that I've identified as being um, an attribute of a good client is that they are passionate about their own work and their clients, and they're really um, into formulating either a great client experience if they're a service-based business or a really like quality product. I just like to work with people who are passionate about what they do, and I I see that in a lot of design studios. Like we work with passionate like entrepreneurs. It's like you if you see someone who um, it's like, has this, this mission and this why, um, I think Giselle mentioned that, that, that if someone has a why behind their business, like that is so important to know that like, they're not just like floundering around and trying to make a business out of nothing that like their investment is actually going to give them the results that, you know, you hope that they, they get. And I, I think a while ago you talked about, you know, we don't want our clients to like you know, going to debt because, you know, to work yeah. with us, like we want to work with people who are going to be successful and that our work is going to have a large impact on their business. And so people yeah. who are really passionate um, about quality and about their own clients, like you're going to get that same kind of response because their business is their baby.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those are also like my favorite clients are, and the ones that I've curated my list of clients so that I'm o- I've am i only kept the ones that are super passionate of what they're doing and them being passionate about it. It's like, you know, having a professor or teacher anywhere in your life where they were so passionate about what they were teaching that you became a lot more interested in it too. Yes. Um, so it brings a lot more. Purpose into what we do.
1: Yes, exactly. A few more things um, just to move through this. I think good clients are serious about their timeline. They're not wishy washy. You know, you don't want someone to be like, hey, can you have this done by next week? That's not what we're talking about (laughs) here. We're talking about, hey, I'd love to be able to finish this up before the end of the year. Do you think that's possible? You know, like you can see that they want to move the project forward. Yeah. Um, That's really, really important. They're willing to do their part in responding promptly and paying invoices promptly and signing their contract. to, to move the project forward. Um, they're trusting of you and of your process. Um, and trust is the number one value that I have identified in past clients that I've worked for that I'm like, wow, I am just so grateful that they were able to trust me so much with something that meant the world to them yeah because you deserve that trust too yes. like
0: you do a good job yeah yeah finding clients that have that trust and also the respect um is very important those are really good clients to have
1: yeah trust and respect when you bring up a contract they don't balk at that you know they are yeah they are receptive to signing a contract um We'll talk about that in red flags. That's a pretty big red flag if someone doesn't want to sign a contract. Um, and then the last thing about good clients is that they're just open minded. Yeah. They are not people who come to you with their, you know, their own idea of what it should look like. And that's the only way. You know, the whole "my way or the highway" um, kind of mindset is not um, something that a good client has. They, they're just they're open minded and they're they're receptive to ideas um, that come from outside themselves because they are hiring you as the professional to give your professional opinion
0: and, and they respect that. And if you're listening, like chances are you're a brand designer, you're like, you're a consultant basically. And when you hire consulting, you're seeking consultancy. Yes. <laughs> consulting.
1: Yes. no, absolutely. <laughs> um, so those are the attributes of um, good leads that we kind of Pull together Giselle do you want to kind of get us started off on the juicy part the red flag clients? <laughs>
0: yeah so red flag clients luckily uh you know we don't have many of those these days and I definitely went through my round of those oh we all have yes <laughs> freelancing <laughs> um so one of them is it, it feels like pulling teeth getting them to respond to anything that you send out to them and we're, again, we're talking about leads. So if you send them the proposal and then you send a follow up and then you're like trying to figure things out, maybe maybe they accepted the proposal already, but they still haven't got you still haven't gotten payment or that you haven't agreed on a timeline, like things like that. Maybe they're just not ready to work with you and you need to just let them go. And yeah. it's OK to follow up for like a step or two, but you have to let it go at some point. Yeah,
1: that's and that's so hard to do, too, um, because. At the You know, when it comes down to it, we just we don't want to work with people who aren't ready to work with us. You know, I don't want to be forcing a client to get excited about a project that like I'm super passionate about, but they're just not, you know, like that mismatch is just going to cause heartache for you. And the client <laughs> yeah. is just not going to like anything you make if they're not if their heart's not in it. And you can tell um, based on like where your project stands in their um, to do list If you are waiting months in between getting communication from the client, like I actually am dealing with something kind of like this right now. I have a client that I started with this summer and like they're just really busy and there's nothing wrong with that. But I can just tell that the project that I have with them is not a priority. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hoping to get it finished up before the end of the year. Um, And, you know, really, it's it's just one of those situations I look back and see, you know, I wonder if I could have. Like if there were red flags and I really do think there were because this client, this particular client was a little bit, um, they took a little bit longer for them to get back to me. And I did have to kind of remind them a few times in the beginning. So
0: was this client during the lead, um, were they acting the same way? Yes. Yeah. So like a they were acting the same way. Yeah. That's my experience as well. Mm -hmm. Like when, when you have a hard time getting them to respond to things before they even book you almost bet that they're going to act the same way during the project. And if you don't like your projects dragging on because you have a process and you have timelines and you have other projects to juggle, then maybe reconsider. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. So the next thing is that they are um, vague about timeline. They either want it right away, like as in, can you do this logo by next Friday? And we all know There's no way you're going to be able to do that logo by next Friday, you know. And even if you have the bandwidth, that just kind of shows that the client like just expects you to do what they want when they want. And that is a slippery slope to go down for sure. Um, The other end of the spectrum is that if they're vague about timeline, then just like I said, it could the project could last for like half a year. And no one has time for that because, you know, I had time when I booked the project but I don't have to yeah do now,
0: so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is why a lot of people put in like pausing fees and like kill fees and yes. fees to resume the project too. Like I need, I really need to consider that. Yeah, consider it. Yeah, so a, kind of one that we spoke of a little bit earlier, already having an idea of what they want. So they're basically just, looking to be like a pixel pusher and they just want a Photoshop monkey, you know? I just shuddered. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they're, you know, these are red flag clients to us because we're here, you know, providing strategy, consulting, and we are professionals in this field for a reason. But maybe you can refer these clients to a graphic designer that's just starting or they only care about like doing things on Illustrator, Photoshop and design, whatever. And like, they don't mind creating someone else's ideas when here, like at least with Jen and I, like we have to go through a whole process to end up with the idea.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, I don't, if anyone here has ever worked with a client who's a pixel pusher, you'll want to tear your hair out. It is, <laughs> yeah. it is, it is pretty horrible. I actually saw a pretty funny graphic and I'll have to share this in the Facebook group. Um, it was a, a price list that a designer had put out and it was like, I design your logo thousand dollars." Like I design, you watch $1,500. Like I design, you change the design, $2,000. You design, I watch $3,000. <laughs> you design the whole thing, $4,000. <laughs> so, I mean, like that's, that's just, so, I laugh and laugh whenever I see that because it is so true. And if you ever have a client like, it's, just imagine your client looking over your shoulder while you're doing exploration on an art board. That literally is my nightmare. Like, I can I hardly have that. my husband look over my shoulder while I'm designing something. Uh-huh. I'm like, it's not done. It's not done. Don't yeah, look at it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, a client doing that. So, you know, you have to, like, think of these little red flags before you book someone because you'll save yourself a lot of stress.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the difference between being – um a strategist and being an order taker yes and we are the the former like we don't want to be order takers you mm-hmm. know we we usually you're the order taker when you're a junior designer but yes. we've like grown out of that we've earned our spot here yeah
1: exactly <laughs> and then if you are in that junior role then like you know maybe some of like I said maybe some of these red flags you know like you know what I, w- I would work with a client who you know maybe knows what they want a little bit more um uh, every stage is going to be different. Yeah. A few more red flags that we've come up with are if the client has a large team or group of people that will need to review the design. I think a lot of us work with um, small businesses, but there are a lot of us also that work with um, larger businesses. And sometimes it's just you can't avoid it. There are going to need to be a lot of people who review the design, but in those situations, There always should be one point of contact that does initial reviews and does one round of revision with you and then opens up to the larger group. Um, Those are tricky projects to handle and manage because the more opinions you bring in, the more, Oh, I don't like this. Well, she doesn't like that. And then I, if anyone has ever had a client or, you know, have their, Oh, well, my husband said this, or, you know, my wife said this, it's like, Oh goodness. Like, well, I have to, I have to show it to my husband first and see what he thinks. Oh, Oh, I like, yeah, that's not good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because especially, well, first of all, during the lead, you should definitely ask this question is who is going to be the main point of contact for this project? Who's going to be leading the project? You know, is it just you? Are there other people involved? And um, because design by consensus is very, very challenging because it it changes the timeline. It makes things drag out longer. You don't get feedback as quickly because everyone has to do a roundup. And ideally and this has been this has worked really well for me having that one point of contact and also them being responsible to synthesize all of the feedback and doing a whole round with their team and coming back to me with a lot of clarity and um moving forward with that because if not then you know Amy's going to love it but then Jill's going to hate it and
1: I know and then what do you do with that
0: Yeah and like she felt completely left out like those kinds of things and like that's their own office politics and You, first of all, like shouldn't deal with it. But second of all, if you are dealing with it, then consider charging a little higher than if you would, um, if you were just doing a one-to-one. Yes. Just so that you feel a little better about the project. That is great advice. And this, this comes up a lot too with nonprofits. That's where I found like those, those are really hard to work with sometimes Mm -hmm. because they are dealing with consensus. And if you don't start it off the right way with having that one point of contact and telling them, look, if you're working with me, this is how it's going to go down Mm -hmm. and then they'll respect that and it'll be a great experience for you.
1: Yes. And if someone's not receptive to that, red flag.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, another one too is if you have a client that comes to you, if they mentioned to you that they had previous designers work on this project,
1: Ooh. that is a big red flag for me.
0: Oh, huge. For example, one time I was part of this volunteer event where we were um, guiding design students from my university. It's called Design for Good. It's AIGA's like college volunteer event or something. and
1: Oh, that's awesome. I should look into that.
0: Yeah, it's, it was pretty fun. One of the people that were there was a nonprofit and they basically like give you the brief of the project that you're going to work on and each group gets assigned to a project. So I didn't get assigned to this project, but when I heard the client's brief, I was like, ooh, I do not want that point. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it was like a volunteer event, I just knew right away, I'm like, this isn't going to be good. Yeah. And um, what they did is a, showed like 15, 20 different logos. And they were like, we're looking for it to rebrand. And these are the logos that our designers have come up with in the past. Um, and we're hoping like to come here with like the actual logo that we want. And right away, I was like, oh man, like that, <gasps> does it? like all of those logos could have been a good choice for them, but you know, it's clearly coming in from within. And and that's just a big red flag for me. At the end of the, um of the volunteer event, they ended up not going with the design that the volunteer team did. Oh no.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, try to avoid that.
0: <laughs> um, I like my heart
1: breaks for this poor college uh, student. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they did a really great job, too. Oh.
1: One thing that I've seen done before, and I actually learned this from um, Brie from Rowan Maid, whose course I took, highly recommend Branding with Brie. But she has a question in her um, intake questionnaire, like her lead capture, basically, that says, have you worked with a designer before? And I think that is such an important question to ask earlier rather than later. Because if you have someone like I've had clients approach, potential clients approach me. And all they want to do is talk about previous designers that didn't meet up to like their expectations. And they just had really negative experiences with other designers so that they're already jaded. They're already on their guard. They're not willing to be trusting or open or, you know, any of those things. And so that is huge. If someone is just like, oh yeah, my old designer, she was horrible. You know, like she didn't do anything that I asked her to do. And you know, and if if someone is like that, then I want to dive more into that. I want to say, what was that experience like for you? Um, what did she do that you didn't like? You know, like some of those things, the answers to those questions can be very telling.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, another one is like that they start to show consistent habits that annoy you. Like I've gotten some where they say, oh, I never got that email. I'm like, uh okay and then the second time oh I didn't get that email either I'm like that's weird like you're the only person that doesn't get my email (laughs) you know things like that that isn't your fault and Mm -hmm. you start to realize like okay there's something weird going on with them and I don't think I want to be a part of that
1: yeah it's like vibes you gotta you gotta get good vibes and if you don't get good vibes (laughs) then like man like there's you should need to listen to your gut (laughs)
0: Because it goes both ways. We have to feel like we trust our client on the other side too. Yeah, like it's... they have to trust us, but we also should feel like we trust them. If we don't trust them, then it's not going to be a good ride. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And like I'm sure there are so many of you who have, you know, been caught in bad client situations where if you could go back, forget about the money. Like, you would give anything to get this client off of your back, you know, like yeah. it, it doesn't matter that they are paying you, you know, like so, yeah. sometimes things are just
0: I've literally heard people say, I would pay to get this client off of me.
1: Yes, <laughs> see, like honestly, like they're you know, it, it can be so exciting um when someone reaches out, you have a new lead, you have a new inquiry, but you really need to think about, okay how good of a lead are they really
0: yeah and then on the other side of the spectrum if they show a lot of inconsistencies or like they can't make up their mind about something then that's probably going to keep happening during their client project and they'll approve something and then they won't approve it the next time and you're like wait but you already approved this and
1: Oh, yeah, those are
0: scary things. Oh, to yeah. Consider. Those
1: are situate like approval and then reverse in the approval. What if we tried this? Oh, I had an idea. Those are things yeah. that you do not want <laughs> to hear. Out I of your just thought of something
0: last night. I yeah. know I had a
1: dream and I want to do it in pink now. It's like, oh, girl, it is too late. You have approved the design. Like I actually put yes. something in my contract that says once the de- design has been approved, then you can't change it. And if you do, then we add a fee
0: you know. Yeah. good. (laughs) And all you have to have is proof that they approved it. So if they approve it over the phone, reply and have them reply that it has been approved. So, you know, for example, if I say something and they approved it, I email them like, oh, great conversation. I always do a follow up email, like great conversation that I'm glad Um, just to confirm this is approved, correct. And then they reply and say it's been approved. So you always have to have things in writing and email counts as writing.
1: Yes, that is so good. And that's something that I don't do. So I need to start doing that. Save a little folder, screenshots.
0: Yeah. Some people like, like uh, agencies that I used to work at, they would actually have the client sign a paper that says that they approved it. And, um, uh, but I just feel like I don't, I don't need to do that. Maybe I do someone tell me that I knew <laughs> then I'll probably consider it. No, but, but
1: like, I mean, approval is something that we should not take lightly. You know, I mean, this is like mm-hmm. going off topic, but um, it's something that we need to make sure that the clients understand that this is a big deal. Like you are signing and stealing this project, you know?
0: And then, um, another one too, is that they just aren't your ideal client. Like maybe, and this has happened to me. Um, you accept a project because you met the person you like them and you're like, you know what, I'll help you out. And like, I'm such a people pleaser, you guys, like I've learned to stop doing this. And I, to this day, I still kind of do it. So I'm not perfect. <laughs> work in progress. I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, and they're just not your ideal client. You know, they, maybe they're a low budget client. Maybe they're in an industry that you don't like to work in. Um, whatever it is saying yes to this person is saying no to an ideal client.
1: Yes. This is so good for sure. I mean, like once we take on a certain number of clients, you know, you're booked and then you spend less time, outreach with outreach with networking with social um and that could be you know the deciding factor between whether or not an actual ideal client reaches out to you so again sometimes people are in the situations where you know they can't afford to say no when an opportunity pops up a bird in the hand you know it's always going to be better to take the money while you have while you have it but like if you're at a point in your in your business where you know you feel like you can start to be more selective with your clients. That's only going to make you um, better and better.
0: Definitely. Do you want to say the last one?
1: Yes. Follow your gut. Like sometimes you don't need to have a specific reason. And, you know, this whole conversation reminded me of dating, which is funny because I've been married for three (laughs) years. I got married before (laughs) Tinder was a thing. So like I'm not in that (laughs) world, but like neither is Giselle. But honestly, it's like imagine that you're sitting down to dinner with this lead. And the things that they're doing are the things that they're doing making you excited. And do you want to learn more or are the things that they're doing making you feel like, hmm, I want to go text my best friend and see what she thinks. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> think about yourself as if you're, you know, you're speed dating or, you know, if you are if you're single, you like a lot of first interactions happen via Instagram or, you know, app or text, I'm assuming. So yeah, (laughs) it's, I'm assuming guys, I promise. Yeah. yeah, Um, (laughs) Like it really is a very, very similar situation. And a lot of the things like these red flags and then the good things, they're subtle. So you need to be paying attention when um, a lead, when, when a person turns into a lead, start looking for those things, make a list for yourself and your business, put it on a sticky note. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So just to wrap this up, one of the takeaways, we hope we didn't just scare you to death.
1: Yeah. I know. <laughs> so, um,
0: especially for people that are beginning in their career. This is like, this reminds me, I love metaphors. So I'm going to start with a metaphor. Always metaphors. When I started to learn how to drive and I went to driving school, I remember the instructor said, you know, when you get in a car accident, because you will, because the statistics say blah, blah, and I was petrified. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get in a car accident. Maybe I just should not learn how to drive. Like, no, <laughs> we have to take these risks so that we can like, move on with our lives and do something better with our yes. lives and go on awesome road trips and live life. And um, that applies to here. So uh, don't be afraid to drive just because you're afraid of the risk. And um, you have us and you can always reach out to anyone in the Facebook group. You guys have been amazing, like helping each other out. It warms my heart. Yeah. I
1: feel like a proud mom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. And um, one of the ways that you can live and learn this way is to do Mm postmortems, which um, I didn't really know about until this year. When you're done with the project, uh, you just sort of do a reflection and go over what went well, what didn't go well, and then reevaluate the client and not just like as a client as that person who that person is, but as some of the characteristics that you want to consider for next time for the next lead, you know, like, oh, I didn't like that. This client um, was really hard to manage. Like I had a client a few months ago that it took longer to manage the account with this client than it was to actually do work for the client. You know, Mm -hmm. like there was just a lot of like phone calls and back and forth emailing and all this other stuff that just like took all of my time and it was draining. Like it, I literally felt like my energy was gone after I would have an interaction with this client. And mm-hmm. I thought, I don't like that. So I'm going to let that client go. Yes. Um. So doing postmortems like that after projects are done, or even like during the project, when you start to realize like something's not feeling right, like do reflections and really keep note of this so that you don't make the same mistakes again and again. Right.
1: Right. So my husband's in the army and if you don't want to call it a postmortem, you can call it an AAR and after action review. So if anyone out there is military affiliated, that's something that they do with every single thing they do. They like see a PowerPoint and they have to do an AAR. Like (laughs) it's, it, it, it can be very, very helpful. Um, maybe keeping a little note, um, internally, uh, on your phone, maybe of, uh, you know, just like situate. I mean, that has doing doing that like I haven't done it formally, but, you know, thinking back on this project like those were the catalysts behind where my business is now. Um, I had a client who just really struggled using Asana and they just could not log in and, you know, they found it really confusing um, and ultimately that kind of led me to start looking at other options for um, project management where I could keep the client in their own email, but manage it from my side. So um, little things like that. That's such a valuable piece of advice, Giselle. So thanks for sharing that with us.
0: Yeah. You too. Thank you. Yeah.
1: All right. So let's move on to our inbox question for this episode. This is from Stephanie Corrigan on our Facebook group. Um, She asks, how do you respond when someone asks how much for a logo?
0: Hi, Steph. So Steph is one of my designers.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, she's so great.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I wrote LOL next to this. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Because I have had this happen. Everyone has had this happen. And maybe you're a design business that you do individual logos and you're proud of it. So be proud of it. Own it. Um, But just for Giselle and I, for our specific... Studios and for a lot of other branding designers out there, we don't just do individual logos. Um, and a lot of the times, people are really well meaning. Like people don't understand what a branding package is. So, what I do to respond to this, assuming it's, they're probably thinking it's going to be less than $100, maybe $50, maybe $20, you know, because they just really don't understand. And it's easy to get frustrated <laughs> off the bat. But I just try to be as understanding as I can and say, you know what? I used to do individual logos, but now at the point where my business is, I will only work in packages. Um, Doing a brand is so much more than a logo, yada, yada. You know, you guys know the spiel. Um, So I try to be patient. um, And if they're actually serious about, you know, how much for a logo. And it's like, I try not to say, well, my brand package is like, $2,000, $2,000. You know, like I try, I try not to like good because that, that's like a shock like what, you know. Um, so I kind of explain my process and then I usually just won't share my pricing with them because like yeah. I'm insinuating that this is an investment, you know.
0: Yeah. I agree with Jen. Like if you have a process like ours where it's not just a logo, you're doing all sorts of other things too, like definitely communicate the process because the process is how you show your value. Um, if you have some big clients that you can throw their names out there for too, like throw their names out, like, you know, you have to say this is how our logo process works and it includes this and that and this and that. And we've had great success with clients like, you know, X, Y, Z so that they start to get an idea of like, oh, OK, like this is like kind of the budget range that they're at. And if you're comfortable, um, what I do is I gave them a price range. so. I start off with like the highest price first and then I go to the lowest price. So I say, if you're looking for a project like what I just spoke of, then it can range somewhere between, I don't know, like $5,000 and $3,000, whatever, like just making stuff up. But that way you just see the reaction and then see like, okay, you know, if this is something that they're still interested in or did they just completely like, just like balk at that?
1: (laughs) If you're in person, because I've had this question asked me just by random people that I like. Oh, I'm a graphic designer. Oh, cool. I have a small business. How much for a logo? It's like, if you're just, if you just hit him with the facts, then it's like, whoa, you know, you could tell.
0: (laughs) Yeah. For some people, it's a slap in the face. Yeah. That has literally happened to me where they asked me like, oh, um, my husband's looking for a logo for their apartment complex. Like they have like, they own apartments. So I thought, well, they clearly have the budget. So I, because they said that, I told him, oh, you know. Um, I don't just do logo like we add, it's and blah, blah. And I explain the process. And then I tell him and something like that ranges from, you know, 10,000 to $5,000. And she literally like her mouth just went open like, oh, and she's like, oh, never mind. Like, I have someone that can do it for 200. Uh, And then I was like, with my mouth open, like, (laughs) why? And then it's awkward. But yeah, and that's, that's super awkward. So always read how they respond to something. If you do logo design, like I used to just do logo design before I had this sort of process where I have like the brand discovery and like you guys can listen to our one concept method episode. Um, I talk more about that there. I would just like count how many hours it would usually take me and then add a little extra in case they like went over or something, but that's what I would do. Um, But I don't know, I I just don't recommend it. Like for a logo design, I think you should really consider doing value based, like no matter how little time you spend on something, if you feel like you do good work, and you're bringing a lot of value to the business, just tell them like, you know, I would love to tell you how much it is for a logo. It's very custom. So I have to know more about your, your business and like what you're looking for. And start off that way and open up a conversation as opposed to just like giving them a, a sticker price.
1: Exactly, and then start gauging the red flags yep. <laughs> or lack thereof. Right, yeah. I'm like nodding slowly into my video. <laughs> you can see, but <laughs> yes, from the very first inquiry, it's an audition. It's an audition for you mm-hmm. impressing the client, and it's audition for them impressing
0: yeah. you. So learn the dance and do the dance. <laughs>
1: yes, I love it. <laughs> We hope you guys found this to be enlightening and we can't wait to hear your thoughts and feedback. So we will see you guys in the Facebook group. Awesome. (laughs) Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them.
0: If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly or are interested in a guest interview slot, reach out at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. There are so many amazing conversations happening inside our Facebook
1: community. We'd love to hang out with you in there. Search for Better the Brand Designer podcast to
0: join us. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and each other.